Edgar, good evening and welcome. Hi, good evening, Bonga. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Edgar, talk to us just briefly, I guess, um, as we kick things off. I mean, uh, the minister went to great lengths uh, to talk about some of your own growth forecasts, what you expect, where you expect the deficit to be, and of course, many other macro environmental questions uh, that uh, um, arise in the current moment, but also have influenced uh, some of your allocative decisions here. Your thoughts on that? Well, thanks. Yeah, well, Abong, I think the main thing is that we are facing a very difficult global economic environment. As you know, I mean, South Africa is a, I mean, a relatively small economy in the global uh, football field, as it were. And the big players are really having a tough time. Um, slowdown in growth in China and in the U.S. means a difficult time for uh, many economies around the world. And one of the big challenges at the moment is inflation and the rising cost of living, as well as the fact that because inflation has been going up, that has forced central banks around the world, including our own, to raise interest rates, which means the cost of borrowing is rising uh, rapidly. Now, what that means for the fiscus is that it's even more urgent for us to make sure that we don't have a weak fiscal position, that we don't have too much debt, too many deficits, because that will mean that we get caught in the middle of that storm. Mm. So what we are doing is we are actively reducing the deficit, and we are having considerable success in that regard. So the fiscal deficit this year is going to be uh, uh, is, is, is set to be 4.9% of GDP compared to 6% what we thought in February. And also we are stabilizing government debt. So government debt will stop growing as a percentage of GDP at the end of this year, and then we'll be in a position to start reducing it. And the, um, the, the, the deficit minus... Um, interest costs, in other words, debt service costs, is going to be wiped out next year. So what we're saying is we've got a very difficult situation globally, but domestically we're doing well in terms of balancing the fiscal numbers. Of course, at the same time, um, the average or the ordinary person is feeling a lot of pain because of the cost of living. But government is, is, is setting its house in order. Now, part of setting that house in order, of course, is also about trying to do the things, as you often say, that improve the long-run growth potential of the economy. Um, and some of what uh, you flagged here, um, and let's maybe start with the state-owned companies, just some of your, your reflections there on some of the allocations that have happened, expectedly, allocations to ESCOM, uh, but uh, the return to service of some locomotives at Transnet is also something that an allocation was made for. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so we decided that, um, look, we've had a, um, uh, obviously an improvement in, in revenues uh, this year, um, uh, just like we had an improvement last year, mm. but it has continued and it's, it's considerable amount of revenue improvement. And this revenue improvement, by the way, has happened without us raising tax rates on anybody. In fact, as you know, in the February budget, we actually cut taxes. Um, but we're seeing an improvement in revenue because of uh, the fact that the price of minerals that South Africa exports 
remains has remained relatively good, but also because we're seeing uh, improvements in collections in other areas. So what we decided to do with this better than expected revenue is two things. The first is we decided we're going to reach the pass around ETO. Mm. So what we're saying is let us step in and help somehow pay off the debt that arises from GFIT so that we don't have to take money from the other roads in the country mm. to sort out more debt. That means that roads in in KZN, in Eastern Cape, in Western Cape, in Free State, that Sunral is responsible for, don't have to lose investment because of Khartoum. Mm. That's why we make those injections. Sure, sure. And let's talk about the Sunral question, because I think the point you make is very important. I mean, a lot of the uh, capital investment in non-tolled roads has stalled in the last while because of this issue. Um, yeah. And uh, that has implications, uh, especially for the areas outside of the urban industrial core to, to be able to develop. But um, a bit of a cryptic message from the minister today on this question, um, because I was hearing a lot of people happy, well, e-tolls are gone. Well, yes, they might be gone in that form. But the minister has made quite clear that any additional investment in road infrastructure uh, around that 201 kilometers will have to be funded via either existing electronic toll infrastructure. I'm not sure if that's e-toll, so you must tell us, or new toll plazas or any other revenue source within their ambit of responsibility. Now it in effect probably means the same thing, that you might end up having to toll the user in the last instance uh, via any other instrument. Yeah, so this is where there's a very careful uh, balance. Sure, sure. And, and what would happen was that the gantries will be put up, people would pay through e-tolls, in other words, without having to stop and pay at a booth like you would, you know, so that you don't have to have congestion. People would pay... And the money from those tolls was meant to do two things. A, pay off the debt that Sunra incurred in order to build them in the first place. And B, pay a continuous revenue that would be necessary in order to maintain the roads. What we have done, uh, Ayabonga, is we have separated these issues into two. We have said, okay, we're going to step in and we're going to address the debt from the... And in that regard... We have said to Khateng, look, Khateng, you need to put the money in for the purposes of that maintenance. And the choice of how you get that money is your choice. And that choice may include mm. tolling. Plazas or even the existing, excuse me, sorry, Edgar, that tolling via plazas or even the existing electronic toll infrastructure. Exactly. It could be any choice. So when we say, when the minister said this afternoon, we're moving on from this thing. What he, was, what he meant was that we are no longer going to allow the debt burden that Samral is carrying be held hostage mm. by Ito. He didn't mean that Ito as a principal. Sure. Khartoum could still decide to do it if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Or yeah. they could still decide to do something different in order to get the revenue. The key thing is the roads need to be maintained. And in order to maintain the roads, you need to get some source of revenue because if you don't mm. do that, they'll fall apart. So, Edgar, would I be wrong in saying the collector has changed, but it doesn't mean that some collections might not be due in future? Well, only as it relates to the, the maintenance of the roads. Sure, okay. Yeah. So, as it relates to the maintenance of the roads, what we have said is exactly that. How things are, will as you can use your word, 
uh, be uh, a sort of, I guess, a collector. But the point is that um, the issue of whether or not there will be tolls around the country mm. is, is not necessarily affected by this decision. Okay. Let's talk about ESCOM, Edgar, just briefly. Um, yeah. You've done here what many people have been calling for taking over a significant portion of uh, ESCOM's 400 billion rand or so in debt, uh, around one-third to two-thirds of the current debt. What implications does this have um, for, as you often say, I guess, your your debt service costs in the first instance? Uh, and what ba- on what basis is, are you also going to choose which debt to take on and which to leave on ESCOM's balance sheet? So this is part of what we have to... Um obviously finalized between now and the February budget. Mm. And, you know, we, we do understand that there was, you know, a lot of expectation around certain details that um, we that we'll have to wait for February. Because remember, this 400 billion rand that Eskom owes, it owes to a lot of people. So there's a wide variety of lenders that are involved. This is not just one or two lenders. So there's laid out mm. on the table sure. in order for you to figure out the ultimate number. What I can tell you is this, that the purpose of doing this and the way that it's going to work is it's a balance sheet transaction. Mm. It's different from the Sunrail one because it's not about us paying anything to ESCOM. It's about us saying, within Tuesday has improved so much that we've created space for ourselves to be able to do it. But in terms of debt service costs, for sure, there is going to be an impact on debt service costs. Mm. But what that impact is going to be could be anything from negligible to significant, and it depends on how much debt are you actually going to take over, mm. obviously. The bigger the amount of debt, the more the interest you're also taking off of. But it's also going to depend on a couple of other things. For example, whether or not the debt you're taking over is debt that's maturing soon or maturing later. And finally, don't forget that we have been giving money to ESCOM, and we are still giving money to ESCOM on an annual basis, and that is reflected in the current fiscal framework. So the question that is going to arise is, how does that amount change mm. given the fact that Eskom now has to carry less debt than it was previously you, carried? You seem to be quite firm on preconditions and conditions for the money when it comes to the other SOCs. I'm not. Is the same being extended to Eskom? And if so, what, what are those conditionalities? To, to, so it is, no, no, sorry, so just for past money, but also, I guess, for now for, for this capital structure rejigging that you're doing here. Yeah, so there will be conditions on Eskom. Um, so um, no, they they won't uh, they, they won't get away without conditions. So, like we've got conditions on all of the SOCs, there will be conditions on Eskim as well. Um, the conditions are important because what you don't want is you don't want what we call a moral hazard. Mm. In other words, you go and you help someone out with their debt, and then they go and they rack up more debt, exactly. or they engage in some other transaction that puts them back where they were. So conditions are absolutely essential. Now, of course, the nature of those conditions is going to uh, uh, depend on a number of things. One of the things that it's going to depend on is what happens to Eskom's revenue. And remember, Eskom's revenue is in part determined by the National Energy Regulator, mm. which is the regulator which sets the tariffs sure. um, that obviously Eskom can charge uh, you and me and everybody 
and uh, for for uh, electricity. Now, to the extent that the decision around that revenue has an impact on the health of Eskom's income statement, that will determine uh, the the stringency, I guess, of the of the condition. But the answer, the short answer to your question is. There absolutely have to be conditions. Eskim has got to be sustainable. It's got to have costs that are manageable and revenue that is sustainable into the future. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite interesting, I mean, this uh, issue of the moral hazards, uh, because I guess while I'm asking it in relation to Eskom, it's not unique to Eskom. Um, and uh, it raises some issues as well about the moral hazards associated with some of the municipalities as well, who some might argue, uh, have played their contributory role to the collapse of ESCOM, you know, insofar as their debts are concerned. you also giving municipalities, um, I guess, a bigger share of the division of nationally collected revenue. Uh, it was around 8%. It's now around 10%. Um, and I guess the allocation still remains around 40-40 for national government and provincial government as well. Yes, so uh, the injection for local government is mainly as part of supporting the most vulnerable and poor households through something we call free basic uh, services. Sure. So um, government provides, um, a, a, you know, a part subsidy uh, for uh, the poorest to indigent households, and so that injection is made in order to assist households, uh, you know, the, the most vulnerable households in these local um, uh, communities, and that also pay ESCOM particularly in respect of electricity that ESCO supplies through these municipalities. So we can't get away from that as well at the municipal level, which is that municipalities must get their systems right and um, and make sure they connect what they should be connecting and pay what they should be paying and provide the services they should be providing. Last one, Edgar, on my end, and uh, it's, it's an interesting point that the finance minister was making earlier on. He says, you know, insofar as the social relief of the stress grant is concerned, Discussions are ongoing. Hard mm-hmm. trade-offs are being thought through. And I like a comment he made. He said, if we are going to have a permanent social relief of distress grant, we might want to consider a permanent source of revenue for that. Um, and maybe talk to us about, I guess, where in your decision-making matrix are you insofar as that is concerned? I know you don't talk about new taxes and so on in the mini-budget, but... Uh, insofar as that one is concerned, because I think many South Africans are interested in that. Um, and also, I guess, uh, is there, a, as some people are suggesting, a seeming reluctance, especially after the corporate tax cuts before, to introduce new taxes? Well, I think, uh, my view is, I think the ministers will speak for themselves. What he basically, also, I think it's important for the decision around this to be very clear about what is this grant meant to do, and how big is it supposed to be? Because, of course, I guess that determines which new tax sources might be able to be raised to finance it. Exactly, because the tax source must be big enough for to cover the expense. Otherwise, mm. there's not much point in saying you're going to raise a tax, that tax raises a few billion, and you need to spend a few tens of billions. Are you reluctant to raise taxes, Edgar? Are you, are you looking to cut taxes? Are you looking for a trust option here? Well, remember that when you, when, you, um, when, you raise, when you make a decision on taxes, you have to consider what that means for the economy. You have to consider what that means for people's, um, you know, uh, for people's cost of living. Um, and, and all of those decisions, are they play into that um, because 
there's an economic effect to a tax, a decision up or down. Mm. And you have to analyze the economic effect properly before you make uh, before you make a decision. A tax is not just something you do and then you get money. A tax is something that does have an impact on people's behavior, that has an impact on the economic decisions that they make. And so when you make that decision, you've got to have a very good understanding of the costs, the benefits, and the trade-offs. Edgar, pleasure catching up with you, my brother. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us.